Thus saith the word of God in Luke eleven fourteen through 16. And he, that's Jesus Christ, was casting out a devil, and it was dumb. It's mute. And it came to pass, when the devil was gone out, the dumb spake, and the people wondered. But some of them said, He had casteth out devils through Beelzebub, the chief of devils. And others tempting him, sought of him a sign from heaven. Lord willing, I'd like to focus on one small phrase in verse 14, the dumb spake. Now, when we use that phrase, it's just a figure of speech. The dumb don't really speak. In this particular case, by definition, the dumb cannot speak. What happened was, is there was a man that was dumb, an unclean spirit was removed from the man, he was given the capability of speaking, and then he spoke. The same is true of many other maladies, physical maladies, blindness. Scripture says the blind see. Well, the blind don't really see. By definition, a blind man will not see. But what happens is, is the optical nerve is healed or the cataracts are removed. Whatever was the malady that was going on, Jesus healed the person, gave the person the ability to see, and then they saw. The same is true of a layman. Many times a layman layman would get up and walk. I don't know if it was muscles, it was nerves, it was bones, it was ankles. It doesn't really matter. But there was some kind of physical malady that the Lord healed. And after that healing, the lame man that was lame, that was now healed, got up and walked away. Uh, the same would be true of a dead man, too. In Luke chapter 7, there was the occasion of a, uh, a funeral procession. Jesus Christ was preaching from city to city. And in those days, the cities had walls. Much, much like the Old Testament uh, walls in, in, in around big cities in Jerusalem. Uh, that's true of the uh, castles in, uh, in Europe. A wall was a form of protection. And the funeral was conducted inside the city walls, but the cemeteries were outside the city walls. So as this funeral procession was coming through the gate, Jesus was approaching the town. And just like we do today, when a funeral procession goes by, we pull aside and to show respect and let the funeral procession go by, Jesus stood aside as the funeral procession was coming out. As he was watching this procession, he noticed the widow woman, mother, following and, and crying behind this casket. Jesus walked up to the casket and touched the mire or, or the coffin. And what happened was, is the man that was dead sat up. But that's not really the order of things that happened. Dead, Jesus gave him life, and the live man sat up. Notice in each case, healing has to happen before the person is able to see, or hear, or speak, or walk, or sit up. Well, I'd like to do this and make an application towards spiritual principles, but let's flesh this out just a little bit further. I got a second witness here. This is in Luke 7 and verse 22. This is speaking about... Uh, John the Baptist was in jail, and John sent his disciples to go seek out Jesus. And Jesus responded to these men, and this is what he said in Luke 7, 22. Go your way and tell John what things ye have seen and heard, how the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, to the poor the gospel is preached. Notice three of these uh, things that are listed here. The blind don't don't really see what happens is the blind are healed and then they see. The lame don't walk, the lame are healed and then they walk. 
the deaf do not hear, the deaf are healed, and then they walk. Notice with it was leprosy, it says the lepers are cleansed, the dead are raised, to the poor the gospel is preached. There was a song, a Christian song that came out, oh, I don't know, about eight or ten years ago. That song was, He Saw It All. I thought it was a, a cute song. I really enjoyed hearing it on the radio when it was playing in its heyday. I like to read the first stanza of that song. It's called He Saw It All. Or the, the group that made it popular was by the Booth Brothers. And it goes like this. I was working in town one afternoon, attending some business affairs. I heard a commotion a couple streets over and wondered what's happening there. A young man was running from in that direction and stopped just to catch his breath. I asked him to please tell me what was the hurry. He smiled up at me and said, I was trying to catch the crippled man. Did he run past this way? He was rushing home to tell everyone what Jesus did today. And the mute man was telling myself and the deaf girl he's leaving to answer God's call. It's hard to believe, but if you don't trust me, as the blind man, he saw it all. I really enjoyed that. Crippled men don't walk, crippled men are healed, and then they run. Um, the deaf girl, the deaf don't hear, the deaf are healed, and then they hear. And the mute man, he doesn't speak, the mute man is healed, and then he speaks. And then finally, the same is true of the blind man. The blind man doesn't see, the blind man is healed. This also was covered in Matthew uh, 15, verses 30 and 31. Great mate multitudes came unto him, this is Jesus Christ, having with them those that were lame, blind, dumb, maimed, and many others, and cast them down at Jesus' feet. And he healed them, insomuch that the multitude wondered, when they saw the dumb to speak, the maimed to behold, the lame to walk, the blind to see, and they glorified the God of Israel. Again, blind men really do not see. Blind men are healed by God, then they see. Lame men do not really walk. Lame men are healed by God, then they walk. Deaf and dumb do not really hear or speak. They are healed by God, and then they hear and speak. Dead men do not sit up. They are given life, then they sit up. Well, that is the principle of uh, the healing of spiritual maladies. I'm sorry, physical maladies. Now we'll take this a parallel into spiritual maladies. Uh, just like linemen, there are muscles and nerves that attend the eye and the ear and the speech and, and legs. There's the same kind of muscles and nerves that help us in a spiritual sense. Well, that may sound like a stretch, but let me read the passage and see if I can explain. I'd like to read Romans 3, 10 through 12. Paul is quoting the Old Testament. And he says, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They all are gone out of the way. They are altogether become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. This is a, a quote um, this particular passage appears in two places in the Old Testament. It appears in Psalms 14, 1 through 3, and almost verbatim it shows up in Psalm 53, verses 1 through 3. Let me read that quote. The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. 
They are all gone aside. They are all together become filthy. None doeth good. No, not one. In other words, natural man, unregenerate man, even unregenerate elect man do not have the spiritual muscles to obey God, to do good. They do not have the spiritual uh, uh, nervous system to understand the things of God. And they, they do not have the spiritual heart to want to seek after God. God must do a healing just like he would do eyes and ears and, and a throat and, and legs. He's got to do that healing before those bodily functions can happen. Well, he has to do a spiritual healing before those spiritual functions can happen. The unregenerate elect do not do good. The elect are given spiritual life. Then they can please God. The unregenerate elect do not understand the things of God. They are given eternal life, and then they can believe God. Unregenerate do not seek God. Unregenerate man is given life, and then they desire God. Unregenerate man hates the things of God. They are given new hearts, and then they desire the things of God. So that being said, let's jump forward into some scripture in the New Testament. And let's reinforce this. <clears throat> As we go forward, I'd like to talk about three spiritual functions. That's the function to obey, the function to learn, and the function to seek God. Now, first of all, these behaviors are, are something a Christian ought to do. They are given as a duty. Uh, in, in terms of obedience, 1 John 5, 3, there's the love of God that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not grievous. Natural man cannot keep his commandments. Spiritual healing of the obedience muscles must take place first, and then they have the ability to keep his commandments. Same thing with learn. In Matthew eleven twenty nine. Jesus says this, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart. This is something we need to do, and when we learn of him, we can find that rest. Unregenerate man does not have the capability. His learning muscles must be healed in order to have the capacity to start learning of God. And finally, seeking, I go to Hebrews 10 and 22. Let us draw near uh, with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Once again, we in our natural state, our carnal man, our old man, does not draw near God. Matter of fact, we hate the things of God. We hate light. We run to the darkness. We need to have our seeking muscles healed before we will draw near into God. So the parallel between spiritual maladies and physical maladies, I believe, is very, very strong. Did you notice that uh, these three things, obedience, learning, and seeking, are things preachers ought to teach? Notice in obedience, 1 Corinthians 11, 2. Remember me in all things. This is Paul, Paul speaking to the Corinthian congregation. Remember me in all things and keep the ordinances as I delivered them to you. He was expecting obedience and compliance by this congregational body. But they were members of a New Testament church. They were believing, baptized members of a church that he taught to that had the ability to believe. They had already repented and were baptized, and now they needed to learn to, to love one another and be long-suffering and have forgiveness for one another. That was part of the learning process. In uh, learning, 2 Corinthians 2.15, Paul says this, and I know this is directed to a preacher, but I believe the principle applies to all of us. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. This is something that the Bereans did. They heard uh, the message. 
they went back to scripture and they read the Bible to see if it was so. This is something that we ought to be doing as born-again children of God. The unelect are incapable of doing. Their learning muscles need to be healed so they have the ability to do so. And then finally, to the seeking, I go to James 4.8. Draw nigh unto God, and he will draw nigh unto you. This is something the unelect have no interest in doing. But uh, the ones whose seeking muscles have been healed, they have a desire to do so. <clears throat> I'm going to talk about legalism just for a second. One of my favorite subjects, but I think it does need to be broached. These three spiritual muscles I've been talking about, obedience, learn, and seeking, I do believe these are the three uh, works, if I can call that that, that people believe they can do, use and, and, and exercise to try to earn their way into heaven. They think they can obey themselves into heaven. I think they think they can intellectualize their way into heaven. I think they think they feel they can feel their way into heaven with feelings. You know what? You can't obey enough, you can't know enough, and you can't love enough to earn your way into heaven. In Luke 18, 11 and 12, there was a Pharisee who believed his fasting, his tithing, and his obedience secured his place in glory. That's why it says he prayed with himself and he justified himself. Friends, your obedience, whether before or after regeneration, is not enough to get you into glory. There's only one true obedience was enough to get you into glory, and that was the Lord Jesus Christ. In uh, John 9 and 34, here are some other Pharisees, and they trusted in their knowledge and their reasoning abilities. They discounted Jesus, his healing, his, uh, the folks that were healed, the miracles that were right before their eyes, and they thought their knowledge and reasoning could get them there. My friends, you cannot know enough to get yourself into heaven. And then finally, seeking God in Matthew 7, 21 through 23. Uh, these are some folks that... Uh, uh, approach Jesus Christ, and Jesus says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Here's some folks that uh, you, you just can't seek God enough. So when I read these things about obeying my way into heaven, or learning, or, or, or through intellectualism, getting my way into heaven, or, or through just feelings and desiring, first of all, we can't do that in the unregenerate state. And even in a regenerate state, we're going to fall short. We need Jesus Christ, who fulfilled all three of these perfectly. But let's pretend, let's pretend you've convinced yourself you can do one of these three things, or all three of these things, to earn your way in heaven. I'll have to choke and say, Houston, we have a problem. Well, this is the problem. In Romans 8, 8, it says, They that are in the flesh cannot please God. In actuality, the old man, the natural man, the fleshly man cannot please God. He doesn't want to. He cannot do it even if he wanted to. God needs to heal those obedience muscles before he can start obeying God. In 1 Corinthians 2.14, it says, The natural man cannot know God. He has no discernment over spiritual things. He just He's incapable. Those learning, those intellectual muscles need to be healed before he can understand the things of God. And then finally, seeking God in John 6 and 44, it says, No man can come to God except the Father draw him. That drawing is not a wooing. It's a drawing like you draw water from a well or a sword from a sheath. No man goes to God unless he's physically drawn in a passive way. God has to seek a heal our seeking muscles before we have any desire to start coming into him. Okay, in our fallen state, he has left us incapable of achieving any of these three, the obedience and the learning and the seeking him. But 
I ask you the question, how do saints achieve the impossible? And the answer is, they cannot achieve the impossible, but God can. I want to show you a couple of things that God does that are just miraculous. When uh, when when Mary was uh, being told about the uh, conception and the birth of Jesus Christ, the angel came to her and said, you're going to have a child by the Holy Spirit. And, and she didn't understand. Basically, she said, biological conception cannot occur without a father, and I have not known a man. And the angel responded, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. Well, that's how we rely on the healing of our eyes and our ears and our mouth and our legs and our lives. It takes the miraculous healing of God. Man cannot do it, but God can. The odds against a rich man being converted is also dreadful. Remember the rich young ruler? He walked away after being talking with Jesus. He just couldn't let down his wealth. In Matthew 19, 26, the disciples were asking him, he says, hey, well, this, this is a good young man. He's good looking. He's, he's energetic. He's desirous of the things of God. But the problem is, is you know, he couldn't put down his wealth. Who, who, who could possibly pass this? And Jesus said to them, with men, this is impossible. With God, all things are impossible. Well, this is talking about a conversion. I don't believe it was talking regeneration. But even then, you notice how subject we are to God. And then finally, I need to talk to you about the resurrection. Both the dead, whether it be risen from the grave when Jesus comes back, or those that are living and joins Jesus in the air are very passive. It's not something we do. It's nothing we call for. It's not something we initiate. It's all of God. Philippians 3.21 says he changes our vile body and he fashions like unto his glorious body. That is all God. It has nothing to do with us. How does this healing work? It's all God. Saints begin incapable, but that changes after God and only God after God regenerates. You see, God's plan of salvation is so contrary to the way we would have drawn up the blueprints. <clears throat> In Isaiah 55 and verse 8, God's speaking here and he says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. God has a design for the plan of salvation that is unlike what we would do. And in our own mind, we are so self-sufficient, we would want to take credit for some of it. Well, at least some small part of it. In Romans 4.4, 4, it says, To him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. As soon as there is one condition that is put on man, man is now not the recipient of grace. Man is now something that's due him because he met a condition, therefore, it is a debt, and it is owed him. See, God didn't design salvation that way. He was taking full credit for the whole thing from A to Z. Man has a tendency towards fairness to provide equal opportunity, but God said in Romans 9, 14 and 15, I will have mercy and compassion on whom I will have mercy and compassion. It's up to me to put this out to you. Finally, nevertheless, God must do what man cannot. Regeneration is a God thing, it's not a man thing. We go to Ephesians 2, 1 through 4, it says, You have the quickened who are dead in trespasses and sin. Just like the man that was laying in the coffin, he had no power to rise and sit up. Lazarus had no power to come forth. The 12-year-old little girl had no power to be risen from the grave. God gave life to the dead person 
And then the dead person sat up, rose up, came forward, and started moving. That's the way it's got to work. Spiritually, it's the same thing. Spiritual man has no ability to move, to think, to obey, to understand, and to see God. Spiritual muscles must be given life. A new heart needs to be given, and then they have the ability to do those things. In the Old Testament, fallen saints went God's operation. Ezekiel 16.6 is an interesting passage for this. God is talking a baby that was tossed in, a, tossed in a garbage pile. And he says, as I passed by, I saw thee polluted in my own blood. And I said, live. And the baby lived. The baby did not call out. The baby did not sit up. The baby did not ask. It did not obey. It did not understand. It did not seek God. The baby was dead. And God said, live. And then from that point on, the baby had capabilities. Fallen saints in the New Testament undergo a similar operation. Titus 3, 5. Not by works of righteousness we have done, but according to his mercy and grace, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. Notice this is not by anything we have done. It's all of God. It's all of mercy. A couple years ago, I did a, a series of messages at Grace. And one of those messages was called, That's Not Fair. And my conclusion to that sermon was, I don't want fair. Because if you think about it, grace is not fair. If you think about it, mercy is not fair. And if you think about it, forgiveness is not fair. If it wasn't for grace and we got what we deserve, what was fair to us, we'd be annihilated. Same thing with uh, mercy and, and forgiveness. If we really got what we deserved, what was fair, we would be annihilated. I don't want fair. I want mercy, I want grace, and I want forgiveness. And that's exactly the way he did salvation. Physical and spiritual maladies are alike in that man is incapable of anything before God heals. If it's ears, ears have to be healed, and then the hearing happens. If it's eyes, eyes have to be healed, and then the seeing. If it's legs, legs have to be healed, and then the walking happens. If it's life, life has to be given, and then there is living that goes on. Well, in a spiritual sense, it's the same way. Natural man cannot obey. Life has to be given, and then the obedience starts. Man cannot know and understand the things of God. Life needs to be given, and then that'll happen. The same thing, a natural man does not seek God. A new heart needs to be given, and then the affection and the desires to be drawn nigh unto God will happen. When I think of this message, I think of my own experience many years ago. I was living a very worldly lifestyle. It was one where uh, I enjoyed the things of this world. Uh, a nice car, a single-digit golf handicap, pretty girls. It was a life that I, I enjoyed. It was a very worldly life. It was one that a lot of people would be very envious of. But then God got a hold of me, and uh, he changed things. I believe what happened was is he gave me muscles to obey. He gave me muscles to understand the things of God, and he gave me muscles to seek God. I didn't have those abilities before. That lifestyle that was so pleasing to me all of a sudden became very frustrating. I wasn't looking for God. I wasn't searching for God. I wasn't even uh, interested in the things of God. He changed all that. He 
he interceded in my life in a very active way. And I was a very passive person. And I spent the rest of my life trying to obey him, trying to get to know him better and trying to become closer and closer to him. Friends, I'll never arrive, but I keep on trying. I pray that tomorrow I'll obey more, I'll understand more, and I'll be closer to him than I was yesterday. I'm not going to throw in the towel tomorrow. I hope I even obey more, and uh, I know even more, and I'm even closer to him. May the Lord bless you.